all got that voice in our head that tells us we can't do stuff. But some people are just better at not listening to it. And by sitting down with those people, asking them questions, and then you know, recording it and blasting it out on the internet, perhaps, maybe, I can help other people like me get out of our own way. Hey guys, welcome back to Closure Optional. Uh, now, if you're a little bit concerned that it sounds like, um, you know, like a dirty old chain-smoking man living in a cabin in the woods has taken over the podcast, you're not, you're not wrong to assume that because it does sound like that, but it's actually genuinely me. It's just that I, after having been violently ill <laughs> and vomiting all night long on a Tuesday night, I've suddenly, I think it was like the pineapple and broccoli chunks coming up out of my esophagus the wrong direction has sliced the inside of my throat up and now I sound like I've been smoking fucking two packs of cigarettes a day for 60 years. So I'm really sorry. And I'm fucking devastated too because uh, I had booked Yolanda Schmidt this week for our podcast and I fucking love this girl. I think she is an incredible fighter. She is absolutely one of my favorite fight, fighters to watch and probably one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And so I was really looking forward to sitting down and having a good chat with her. And unfortunately, we didn't have too much time to record. And by the end of the conversation, it literally felt like somebody was just rubbing sandpaper on the back of my throat. So if you can handle my voice, this is a nice little conversation um, that I have with Yolanda. And if you can't handle my voice, I'm really I'm really, really sorry. I've done the best that I can with it. But um, I will absolutely, definitely get her back on the podcast so we can have another good chat. This is a great conversation about her recent fight at Aggression 8 where she fought Alma uh, Uniku for the Australian um, WMC title. She unfortunately came away with a decision loss, but it was an incredibly good fight to watch. Alma had landed a nice elbow in the first round and cut Yolanda's face right above her eye, and her eye, just the whole fight, her that side of her face was just getting swelled up and closed over. She could pretty much only see out of one eye from the majority of the fight, and she just kept coming in so hard. It was incredible. She's, a, she's just an amazing fighter to watch. You can really tell that she loves what she's doing in there. Um... We talk a little bit about uh, a recent tournament that she also did in 2017 in Thailand, which was called Muay Thai Angels. And it's kind of similar to like your ultimate fighter style thing where the fighters live together. I think she said they only live together for about a week, but they do activities together. They have to stay in the same house as each other, and then they have to fight each other over the course of this tournament. And if you lose the fight, you're out, and whoever wins at the end wins a world title and Luckily for Yolanda, and not through luck necessarily, but through some fucking extreme hard work and very good fighting, she came away with a win and is now a world Muay Thai champion. So um, this, I also did record this over Skype. She, I wanted to do this with her while she was up in Queensland, but there was just too quick of a turnaround after her fight, so we didn't get a chance to catch up. But um, I will do it again with her in person the next time I see her. And uh, so I've done the best I can with the audio. And again, I'm just, I'm really sorry. I Luckily, it is 
only a 30 minute podcast, even though I wish I could have been talking to her for a lot longer. Um, just because, you know, sometimes it's hard to listen to. Anyways, I didn't want to leave you without a podcast because I've been making too many goddamn excuses lately and I was slow with the last one. So here is Yolanda Schmidt, current world time, world tie, world Muay Thai champion, one of the best fighters I know and one of the nicest people I know. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Have a great week. And I'll be back next week with my normal voice. Bye, home. All right. Well, let's officially say hello. Hi, Yolanda. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I couldn't fucking believe how good it was to watch you fight last weekend. It was, <laughs> it was so good. Exciting very exciting fight. Um, I enjoy every minute of being in the ring, so I'm happy. That's my happy place. Yeah, you can tell it's your happy place. Do you like that you are? You, I use you as an example pretty much all the time when I'm talking to fighters, getting them ready for fights, or even just training people when we talk about sweeps, in particular sweeps, because I watched you fight Pia Salgado um, on that show that Melina fought Leone. Yes, when yeah, I saw I'm you Sydney. down in Sydney. Yeah. And every single time she caught your kick, swept you, you fell over, you got up, put a huge smile on your face, and went in harder. And I use that all the time. I'm like, there is no defeat. <laughs> Very good example. I've never thought of it that way. Yes. It's amazing yep. man, because that mentality, like your mentality in the ring, you look like you're having such a good time that it doesn't seem like an upsetting situation. I mean, your face was bleeding off from the first round. Yep. Blood pouring down my face and I was like, Oh, well, yeah. let's just keep going. You kept going, man. You were so tough. How did your face pull up after that fight? It was good. Um, they wouldn't stitch me in Brisbane, so they, uh, they'd they only stitch me back home in Sydney. So uh, they were just a bit worried about the cut itself because it was in, in the first round. So obviously yeah. her glove was constantly being shoved into the eye and that caused a bit of tissue damage. So uh, we were at the hospital until like 4 a.m. Oh until God. they eventually, yeah, until they eventually said, oh, we have to get stitched back in Sydney. I was like, or you have to go to our plastic surgeon, which means you can't fly. And we're like, no, 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 just yep. tape it up. We'll get <laughs> stitched in Sydney. So, so yeah, we got stitched up in Sydney and stitches are out already, oh, but see. the skin is still really soft. So um, that's why, hence, no fight this weekend. So yeah, cried big crocodile tears about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet, man. Yeah, that's a tough thing about a fighter. You never know what's going to happen in a fight, so you never know. We also had to pull a fighter out of a fight. Same thing. He had a really tough night that night, and same thing. He just we're not ready to fight again. Oh, I wanted to. I still want to, but the doctor was like, nope, yeah. no, no. And I guess I've got to think about what I've got coming up. I've got Arafura games coming up, and, and that is more important than any other fight at the moment. Yeah. So uh, we have to think of future, you know, can't just think of I want to be in the ring and I want to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That's cool. Like, it's nice to hear you say that because I, I didn't, I've never actually had fun in the ring. I don't think, I think I might have had one fight where I was like, oh, I'm okay. I'm going to be all right. But that is not a mentality I have. And I'm wondering how did, did you cultivate that mentality or is that something that you've just always had? Um, 
I guess from the first sparring tournament I had, um, I got out the ring because, you know, originally I came into to PTJ and Andy said to me, are you here to fight or are you here for fitness? And I was like, hell no, I'm here for fitness. I had no intention of fighting at all. And then six months later, I like tapped him on the shoulder and I was like, hmm, I think I want to fight. And he goes, are you sure? <laughs> you know, this dancer girl coming in with big, big smiles all the time and pointed toes. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes, all right, we'll put you in a aspiring tournament against another gym and we'll see how you go. And I got out and had like a smile from ear to ear. And he goes, how'd you go? I'm like, I loved it. Let's do it again. <laughs> oh, that's so I cool. Love the, I love the challenge of, of training all the techniques and then trying to have them come through in the fight yeah. because often you'll be training something, but then when you spar, you don't use it. Yeah. So the, the challenge for me is just trying to bring through what we've been training into a fight. So I guess I get extremely nervous, which <laughs> I wish would go away, mm. but it doesn't. But um, I think it's just it's just my bubbly personality that just starts to shine in the ring, regardless yeah. of whether I get punched in the face or whether you get punched in the face. It's just, yeah, I, I honestly enjoy being in there. Yeah, man. Well, it shows. It definitely shows. It's a nice thing, man, because you can, like in general, even in life, like you can a approach situations like that that are fucking intense and scary and you're nervous about them and let it smother you or you come in and go, well, fuck it, I'm here. And I, I had to use you from one of my last fights, actually, I used you in my head and went, look, I'm in the ring. I'm going to smile and I'm going to fucking have fun. It was a tournament while we were fighting and I was like, oh no, I have to do this again and I can't deal with it. But you fought when you were down, what was Angel fight like? Oh, that was intense because um, you had to kind of socialize with the girls and I'm such a friendly, bubbly person. Yeah. But then knowing I could fight any one of these girls um, was hard. But the Angel Tournament itself was, was challenging because they kept changing the dates. So your fight prep was inconsistent. You're, you're oh, prepping sure. and then they change the dates. And then you go back down into normal fight training. And then you, you ramp it up and then they change the dates again. Damn. So that was intense. And I guess the final was the most intense because I was preparing for two completely different styles. So the, the semi-final and the final were in the same night. And I knew who I was facing in the semi. And then I knew which of the two I could possibly face in the final. And both of them were two drastically different fight styles. So oh. it felt like during our fight prep, we literally would do a couple of rounds as if Andy was Natalie. And then we do a couple of rounds as if Andy was Chomini. Because oh we didn't know which one we were going to face, you know. So it, it was um, a learning curve, I would say. Uh, and a tournament that... I'm very grateful I got to to partake in. Yeah, it was cool. So were you you did have to live with them? No, because um, the first, well, sort of yes and no. The first round, we were all together. We had separate rooms, but then we had lots of activities and functions we had to do together. Oh. So, you know, we went and, and did a photo shoot together, and then we went and we had to do some sightseeing together. So it almost felt like... Uh, like a big brother kind of. Yeah, episode. man, that's what it looks like. And Iggy, <laughs> Iggy did it as well he, when they did it over in Thailand. He fought Daniel Sam once. And, he, yeah, so it's like the ultimate fighter. It's this big brother thing. You're totally stuck in a house, and you're about to beat each other up. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and then we eat lunch together and, like, have conversations at the table. And that first, the first one, round one was the, the hardest because 
it was leading up to it. We were there for a week before the first weigh-in. So mm. in that whole week, we're all training and we're all eating lunch together and eating dinner together. But all the time going, hmm, who am I going to fight first? Yeah. And then the draw was done a week later. And then we knew, okay, well, this is what the draw looks like. This is who I could potentially fight, um, which made it, made it a little bit easier after that. But, yeah, it was um, interesting. Uh, and in saying that as well, we've made lifelong friends from that tournament. You know, a lot of the people I still speak to now, which is great. You yeah, know, that's, that's the beauty cool. of my time. I know that's the beauty of it's pretty incredible. Like when people on the outside of the fight world, they don't tend to sort of understand that because it seems like, oh, it's really macho and aggressive and angry. But yeah, I'm still really good friends with a lot of girls I've fought and you seem like it too. It's um, And it, because I think they, they do say in psychology that if you go so, through something really dangerous with anybody, yeah. you create a bond with them because you both kind of yeah. survived on the other side. And, 100%. And, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. Mm. Yeah, man. How did Lucy Payne get down to your weight? I thought that was crazy. She was in that, wasn't she? She was, but I went up. So I went up to 57. Oh, to okay. Fight it. So normally 54 is my weight category, but I went up to 57. Oh. So on two of the weigh-ins, I was eating breakfast in the morning. Away. <laughs> I was like watching everyone else. Uh, but in saying that, I think it, all, it was a little bit of a struggle for Lucy. Uh, she can get there, but she needs time. Yeah. So when, uh, when I think someone pulled out and in the final and they called her up to, to be in the final – but it was too close notice. She couldn't make the weight in time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah she, she, she does well at, at cutting weight, but she needs a good four-week bracket. Yeah, man, because she is tall. She's huge. She's yeah. like a giraffe. <laughs> she is, man. It's a perfect body for a Muay Thai fighter because there is no getting inside that reach. <laughs> Yeah, when I saw the lineup, when you posted the pictures of all of you guys ready, I was like, what? How is she making it? Well, that's crazy, man. You won that entire tournament at a weight division, one higher than you normally fight at. That is fucking yeah. cool, man. What a I great went tournament. into the tournament a bit nervous, going, should we be doing this tournament? All these girls are cutting from above 60. I'm not cutting. You know, mm. I'm walking around. I think the entire year of angels because it was supposed to be a couple of months but it ended up being from march april all the way till december and so i didn't know when the dates were going to happen so i was walking around between 57.5 and 58 the whole year oh my god and i knew that all the girls were cutting from above 60 to get to 57 because yeah. i mean you know that's what you do so i went in very nervous uh not 100 confident in myself uh but the more I worked with Andy and the more we worked on training, the more I developed my mind to understand that I was in probably the same position, even though I had the weight disadvantage, I had the mental advantage, mm. you know, mentally, I didn't have to stress about making weight and, and, and dropping those kilos in time for the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it can take a lot out of you. Um, how do you deal with your nerves? Oh, I get so nervous to the point of tears yeah. every fight, just before a fight. And a lot of it for me is oh, I do meditation. I do visualization. Sometimes people will probably walk past me backstage when I'm at a fight and go like, what is she doing? Because <laughs> I'll, I'll be shadow boxing and then all of a sudden I'll just stop. And I'll close my eyes and I'll just stand there. And then I'll go through visualization. I do a lot of uh, positive self-talk. 
So I have a whiteboard at home as well and I write things on there so I can actually see it and I read it to myself. I then even take it one step further and I record a voice message to myself that I listen to every morning of fight week. Uh-huh. So that that voice is like positive reinforcement of the training I've done, my physical capabilities, my mental capabilities. So it's just lots and lots of repetition. And then on fight day, I do multiple meditations, multiple visualizations, and just try and zone in as much as I can. When I get to the fight venue, I turn my phone to flight mode. So even if I get there five hours before I fight, my phone's on flight mode. So there's zero distractions. Um, A lot of people probably think I'm kind of rude because backstage I don't really talk to anyone, but it's just because I'm trying to get into the zone and not be as nervous as as I am. I, I don't know how else to just kind of get rid of the the, the, yeah. the nerves. I've only ever had a fight once where I didn't have nerves. And then I called Andy going, Andy, why am I not nervous? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something's wrong. Something's wrong. <laughs> I know I've done that too. Like you've dealt with all the doubts and so you're good. And then all of a sudden I'm doubting that I'm not doubting. <laughs> and then I'm like, what's wrong? <laughs> Something must be wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. I'm exactly. But I, must say, I must say the the Y crew is the last kind of like the the cherry on the top the mm. y crew i'm still really nervous once i've gotten into the ring and the y crew kind of just gets my zen completely so then once i've done my y crew i'm like ready yeah that's so cool i know well you come from a dancing background so that kind of is like going back to home you know what you're doing there yeah i i, I like the, the the rhythm and the timing and and the, the music and then i just i'm just thinking i'm going yep yep i feel this move i've got this you know yeah. It's a, it's a totally unusual thing. It's like every single thing inside our bodies is telling us don't fight and you push past it. What is it for you? Like what makes you want to fight? Why do you do it? Um, the, I mean, besides I say, we've said already that you want to pr- put into practice what you train, but I mean, outside of that, like, what does it do for you outside of that? Um, I came from a family where we were abused physically. My mum was abused physically. She ended up in hospital multiple times, not from my dad, but my mum's ex-husband, uh, my ex-stepdad. And I just kind of feel like I started training for fitness as well as self-defense to go like, no man will ever do that to me again. And before I get in the ring, I literally go, this is for my mum. Mm. Every time I get in the ring, this mm. is for my mum. I know my opponent is obviously not the person who, who is uh, to blame, but I just go in there going, this is for my mum yeah, every wow. time. Oh, fuck, that's some powerful motivation. Do you know what's cool about that is that in everybody that I've spoken to, because this podcast is kind of all about motivation and pushing yourself through hard stuff, almost everyone I've spoken to, they usually have some kind of motivation that's outside of themselves. When it becomes yeah. about themselves or ourselves, like me, the thing that's doing the thing, it usually cheapens it and you become less powerful in a way. So that's really cool. That makes a lot of sense. Like that this is outside of Yolanda. This isn't about Yolanda being the best. This is about you fucking pushing through some shit that you've gone through. That's amazing. And that's also why I, um, I, I stand for Orange Day so strongly, mm. uh, which is the, what we celebrate on the 25th of every month. Uh, I wear orange. I get the, the people at the gym to wear orange. And I just raise awareness against um, abuse against women and children. And I know that there is abuse against men too. Uh, but the United Nations campaign that I stand for uh, is just women. And I think I, I stand for that one because it's a monthly 
not mm. a yearly. Most most anti-abuse campaigns run yearly. This one runs monthly. So for me, it's it's really close to my heart. Yeah. Wow. And what um what kind of stuff are they trying to do to minimize abuse? Is there oh, education programs and stuff? Yeah, there's lots of education programs and volunteer programs. Uh, people going out to to different countries all over the world because abuse is not just physical abuse. There's emotional abuse. There's sex trafficking. There's yeah. uh, slavery. All of that. That's all abuse. Mental, physical, emotional, social. Mm. You know, all of that. And uh, they're just doing a lot of educational programs and uh, volunteer programs to help out yeah. less fortunate. Damn. Standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine how helpless that would feel. I mean, especially as a young kid, like, that's really hard to watch something like that happen and go, wait, this is not normal. Did you know yeah. at the time that it wasn't normal or did it feel normal because it was all you knew? No, I knew it wasn't normal because my dad was married to somebody else and, you know, I, I had that family vibe. But then when I was with my mom, it's like, this is not the way it should be. But, you know, I got to, to the point where I would run away because I was so scared when I, I would hear it starting to happen. I would climb out the window, climb over the, the fence at home and, and run up the road to somebody else's house until I thought it was safe to come home. Fuck. You know, it was it was insane. And how my mum actually made it through, she now has the most amazing husband and, huh. you know, he, he's been a lifesaver. And I just it's unfortunate that some people uh, are not meant to be with, someone else I would say. <laughs> yeah they they need to work a lot more on themselves yeah I there's a guy at our gym that actually works in um violent offenders his job is in counseling violent offenders and I like that's a pretty fucking tough job because you got to be around kind of the most despicable people like the kind of people that you're looking at them and you want to go you how the fuck can you do that but these people I mean are broken you know they're as damaged as anyone else but oh, the problem is they're taking it out on someone else, which is a real fucking problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. And it's a problem in, in society, unfortunately. Uh, even today I, I heard from one of my friends that her friend is is being, I, I wouldn't say, you know, she doesn't classify it as, as abuse, but she is being abused at the moment because she's been told who she can and can't hang around with, and that's where it starts. Something mm-hmm. as little as, as you can't see that person. Yeah, yeah, well, that element. It's controlling of control. you, yeah. you know. Well, it's scary. And that can happen in a relationship. Yeah, and it's a slow creep, isn't it? Because, like, and, and that's a tough thing, too, because you want to be so accommodating to somebody else. You want to be like, oh, no, nah, I'm all good. It's all cool. You do what you want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fuck, that's scary. What was, yeah. it, what was it like? Was it alcohol involved or anything? Was it usually that or was it? Very much that. So when, um, And that's why I have this really bad relationship with alcohol that I, I – I had my first drink when I was 23 because yeah. of the fact that I didn't I didn't want to become another person. So in my mind, alcohol changes you. Alcohol makes you violent. And I know that's not the case with everyone, but it took me a long time to realize that wasn't what's going to happen if I had a drink. So yeah. I always get a bit nervous with, around people who are drinking because of the fact that I don't know what alcohol is going to do to somebody else. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I'm okay now, but you know, I, I was at a restaurant one night and, uh, a plate smashed and I got the biggest fright of my life because it just directly translated to me. Like there's going to be a fight happening. Someone's going to get a, get a hit in, you oh know? And God. I was just at a restaurant and the person I was sitting with having dinner was like, what the hell is wrong with this girl? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Oh, fuck, yeah, that's scary, man. That's really tough. And all because there's this idea of, like, triggering events, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, your your body reacts physiologically to things, and it's the only appropriate response because you're conditioned that way. Yeah, fight or flight. Yeah, damn. How old were you? Um, Probably going from about up until I was about 16, and so I'd say six to 16. Damn. That's a, a long gosh. time. And it's also like the pivotal stages yeah. as well. So. Absolutely. Man. My mom got through that. I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, she's an incredibly strong lady, obviously. Like she's managed it well and she's come out of it on the other side. Because that's another thing too that can be so tough. Like you can feel so disempowered in shit situations like that and become more victimized, more small. And, you know, then you just, it's a low spiral. And the scary part is, too, that that becomes your new normal. So if that's my normal, then that's just what I expect. Do you find it hard to trust men? Very much so. And I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I shouldn't, like, compare them. But I Mm -hmm. do because I'm always a little bit nervous. Uh, So I guess when it comes to first seeing how they react around alcohol and then seeing how they treat their mom and you know like it's stupid little things but for me it's not stupid because of my background mm. um so but um it's 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 just a process i guess process yeah, yeah definitely well i i um i stopped drinking oh just over three years ago i don't drink at all i just don't even bother because exactly that same situation. I was never a violent person drunk, but I was miserable. And I could see a direct line between what I felt like when I was drinking and how I felt afterward. And I was like, why? Even if this is normal, why would I put myself through this? It feels so bad. Uh, I don't know. I've I've been drunk in my life only a couple of times. So for me, I, I... I've got so much more I can do, but I also, again, I wouldn't say, oh, I won't have a glass of wine. I, mm. I will, but, you know, it's not important to me. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, it is crazy that that is just like a real natural part of our existence. Like, oh, yeah, we, we just get hammered, drunk, disappear. And I, I've got good friends that are like, oh, it's, it's all right. He was just drunk. That's just the way he is. And I'm like, fuck, that is the worst excuse. That is fucking bullshit. You can't do that. You cannot say, you can't excuse someone's behavior because they're out of their mind. It's their fault they're out of their, yeah. Mind. Their fault out of their mind. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Everything's a choice, man. Everything's a choice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a kind of a cool thing. Melina told me this once when she gets into the ring, she used to have these nerves and she used to tell herself, oh, I'm excited. Instead of like, oh, this is nerves because they feel the same way. So she went, oh, I think I'm excited. And so she made a choice that that was going to be her future response to all the fights. And she still gets that feeling. It's still the same feeling that we all get, but she's got, she labels it something else. And she managed to kind of turn it around for herself. That's a fucking cool idea. I mean, your brain. That really is. Your brain is so powerful. It is so fucking strong. I'm busy reading um, a book. Someone Goggins, I can't think of his oh, name David right now. Goggins. There we go. I'm busy reading that book. And, well, I've got the audio book as well. So I read along and listening. At it, and he was actually saying, you know, if someone says to you by midweek you're going to be tired, he goes, when you hit Wednesday, you're going to be like, oh, I'm tired because everyone said I'm going to be tired. So that's exactly the same thing with Melina. You know, you're, you're, what you tell yourself, what you think will be 100%. Right. Yeah, man. 
And it's, it's a slippery slope because you can get yourself into either negative or positive behavioral patterns. I mean, obviously what you're doing in the similar way that you're training your body for fights, you're also putting that exact same amount of effort into training your brain to have, and it's not positive thoughts, like irrational positive thoughts. Like you're just getting rid of that voice of doubt. Yeah. I'm squishing it. I'm stomping it out. Exactly right. Because we all have that voice of doubt. It it is there. It's just how you react to it. Yeah, man. Yeah. And to be able to turn it on itself, turn it inside yourself and then let it out, um, in the way that you do at least, which is a fucking super entertaining fight. (laughs) It's so cool, man. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I've got lots of really good fights uh, from memory and I, I know that I, I, we always knew this fight was going to be like dynamite like an explosion because of the the two fighters that we are so yeah, um, yeah the next one will be in Sydney though so we'll rematch at a, at a later stage in Sydney on home soil nice. and, and see how we go then it's yeah. 1-1 so now we, we need a decider you do uh, yeah you do for sure it's the state <laughs> of origin <laughs> <laughs> yeah very much so. I know we cannot leave it at that that was yeah it was so good I mean one of the beautiful things about what you were doing is that no matter what happens I was just working with um some of the beginners this morning on learning how to block and just that that idea that you no matter what's coming back at you like she's landing that elbow your cut your face is cut open and you're continually adjusting your game plan trying to figure out new ways like what happened in the corner in the fourth round what did your trainer say to you like we we, you got to fucking knock her out or what were they saying? Pretty much that. He goes like, you need to stop her um, or give her an eight count. And um, my knees were working well. So we aimed to continue with that. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, it's interesting. Andy always has a really calm voice. Mm. Uh, doesn't get really annoyed in the corner, which is really great. He just tells me exactly what I got to do. And I go, yep. Okay, let's go. And he goes, lock on and knee. And I, could, I, I listen to my opponent's corner as well, which I, I find really strange because I'll listen to my corner and I'll listen to my opponent's corner at the same time. Mm. Um, and I, I just kept hearing her corner say, stay away from the clinch. And I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're going clinching. That's what we're doing. Yeah, it's good. It was beautiful to watch. Yeah, I mean. Oh, that's cool. And it is, you need that voice of reason and you need that technical advice in the corner. I, um, yeah, you listen to fight trainers just yelling like, go, go, go. And it's like, go what? You know, like, yeah, how, I am doing. yeah, obviously I'm doing, I'm doing my best, mate. Like you get in here, <laughs> you try. I can't, I can't stand. like, lucky for me, I have a great corner. Like Andy is very simple with his instructions, mm. uh, and, and direct. Like, I know exactly what he wants me to do when he's calling it. He's not telling me to go because I am going. He's not telling me to move forward because I am moving forward. Yeah. You know, he's he's explicitly giving me right hand, kick, yeah. knee, turn, little things like that. And I, I know what he wants. I just I just got to listen. Yeah, I know. It isn't that hard sometimes but, you're in there and you're like, no, listen, please. <laughs> I hear what you're yes. saying. Now, body, do it. Yes. <laughs> but that's skill as well as a as a fighter to actually listen to your corner oh, man. like maybe you listen but do you hear mm-hmm. you know are you hearing what they're saying and the worst the most dangerous situation I got myself in in a fight was when I heard my corner and then I doubted it I'd hear him say mm-hmm. like jab kick or whatever and I would be like uh really should I and, that, and then I was just getting my face kicked in, you know, and I was like, what did I do that for? I should have jab kicked because then no one would have hit me. <laughs> I, 
I thinking back, I think it must have been my second fight. It was early days, really early days. And and this comes to actually listening because clearly I was listening, but I wasn't hearing. And mm. he goes, breathe in through your nose. And I go, and he goes, breathe in through your nose. I'm like, and he goes, breathe in through your nose, this one. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Do you guys have to change your game plan at all? Do you come yeah, in? Yeah, so. So um, halfway, we thought, okay, well, now we're going to change because it's not working. And you know what? That's that, that's the beauty of being a fighter is is being able to be adaptable. Yeah. You know, going and and that's Andy says that as well before every fight. He goes, all right, this is what we worked on. This is the game plan we've done. But remember, it can change, mm. and we just need to be ready for that change. And I was like, all right, no problem. So we went in with our initial game plan of you know just exchanging. And when I got cut, it, it was a bit bit of a challenge because it was harder to see yeah. and my depth perception was then adjusted so I was like well this is not working as well for me so got to make another plan and uh we started working with cutting her off the ring and like ring control and that worked beautifully so yeah. we definitely uh, I'm proud that we were able to change and adjust that uh, effectively yeah man I I say this a lot like I think uh, we tend to get a bit caught up in our heads about what um, a good Muay Thai fighter is because they can hit the bag hard or they look cool on pads or whatever but a good martial artist is a person that's enable to or is able to switch as soon as something happens react to the change and go again like, yeah. I mean, that's the true skill in this sport because fucking anything can happen at any point. 100%. Like, I've never been cut in the first round. So, you know, being cut in the first round changes everything. Yeah, wow. I bet, man. What um, what have you been able to take out of Muay Thai, like, out into your normal everyday life? Do you feel like it's changed you? I think it's just made me more aware of, of other people, more aware of other people's thoughts. Uh, it's It's made me very conscious of culture. Uh, and how I go about things, I really believe it's taught me a lot of um, more patience. I, mm. I am a patient person, but I feel like it's given me more, and it's uh, definitely improved my focus. So my ability to focus and, and hone in on something has highly improved. Yeah. So uh, it's yeah, it's great. Yeah. My, I, my motivation and my dedication comes because of, you know, I've gone through so much shit in my life that you know, if, if it comes at me, I come back harder. Yeah, man. Well, that's definitely your fight style. Like you can see it. It radiates out of you. Well, um, I'll let you get away because I know you got to go, but I really appreciate you taking the time to have a little quick chat with us. And um, next time you're up in Queensland, please do come and see me and we'll sit down and have a proper chat. Oh, fantastic. That sounds good. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and hopefully, yeah, we'll have a, a chat soon. Okay, cool. Have fun. See ya. Thanks. See ya. Have a good one. That was Yolanda Schmidt, and if you would like to find out more about Yolanda, you can find her on Facebook, which is Yolanda Springbok Schmidt on Facebook, or um, she also has a website, which is just her name, Yolanda Schmidt. And during the podcast, she also mentions um, Orange Day, wearing orange on the 25th of every month to uh, support a UN um, movement as opposed to end violence against women and it's the campaign is called unite and it is every 25th day of every month to wear orange uh, in defense against women um, 
defense against violence against women, not defending against women. Um, so if you're interested in having a look at that, there is uh, some more information at www.unwomen.org or also at the United Nations page on Facebook and anywhere you get your media. All right. Thank you so much for putting up with me in this terrible voice. I'll be back next week with another lovely 